the title of this message, which will be at least a three-part message, possibly a four-part message, is called The Christian and the Laws of the Land. And this is an extremely interesting passage. There's all kinds of uh, things that are taught here. Anyway, let's read it. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Uh, Now, a lot of translations use the word powers. uh, For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free um, from fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Well, there's so many things that come up in this passage of Scripture. He's talking about uh, that everyone be subject to. That's uh, what we're going to actually focus on this morning, that, that part. But it's the governing authority. So he's talking about civil government. He's talking about the laws of the land. And uh, next week I'm going to talk to you, no, I won't be because Martin's here, the following week, I'll talk to you about what it means by authorities because in the New Testament, authorities are both spiritual, they're angelic or demonic, plus they are human. And there's an interplay between authorities that are in, uh, that are spiritual authorities, be good or bad, and human authority, and the interplay between them. And, and, and the authorities that the scripture says, you don't determine who's a good authority and who's a bad one, so you only submit to the good one when it comes to human authority. He said, you submit to both. You say, well, does that mean you, people in Germany should have submitted to Adolf Hitler and the, his attempt to annihilate the, the Jews back in World War II? Well, no, it doesn't mean that. But there, there are principles that are involved that we have to understand. Uh, it's tax season. And he says, this is why you pay taxes. Uh, taxes are something that if we do, if we're honorable in our taxes, uh, then we are 
obeying God. If we're not, we're not obeying God. You say, well, I didn't think there was a relationship between my income tax and my, my uh, relationship with God. Well, yes, there is. Even to the point where it says God will bring judgment upon those who don't t- pay their taxes honestly. And so this is a time of the year where people say, well, I, I earned this much money and I can put it in my pocket and I don't have to tell anybody because I didn't get, uh, you know, I, there's no T4 slip with it. Marlene and I have always made the policy, uh, oftentimes we're given money uh, by people who we perform a service for. Um, sometimes we have a funeral or a wedding. That's usually the only times we say we don't charge for what we do. But some people will insist and say, no, we want to honor you. And so we've been given as much as $500 for doing a funeral. Uh, So do we declare that on our income tax or don't we? There's no way to trace. That person just gave us cash. Well, we declare it because it's an income to us. And so those are the kinds of things that are important when it comes to things about submitting to the higher powers, the higher authorities. And it's not just in the area of taxes. It's in the area of how we uh, obey the laws of the land when it comes to traffic laws. And there's not a soul here who has a driver's license, I suspect, that hasn't gone one kilometer over the speed limit at one point in their life. So there is an altar call that will be given at the end. And the guy that just said perfect is the worst offender of all, I can tell you. <laughs> anyway, you say, well, those, those, <clears throat> that doesn't affect me spiritually. Well, so here's a question. You're late for church. And you want to, there's a the speaker, you don't want to miss that speaker. And you know that because he is such a phenomenal speaker, he's going to be up there early. And so <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to floor it. That's an expression from my era when it means you're going real fast. Put your foot on the floor on the gas pedal. Anyway, so you break the speed limit to get to church on time so you can hear the preacher. Is that okay? Anyway. So what about when I pay my taxes? Can I hold off way past the deadline? Or Anyway, all of these things are important aspects of this subject. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Now, there are the words subject, it's translated from the Greek word hupotasso. And if you've been part of our marriage course at any one time, we refer to that um, when it says, wives, submit to your husbands. The word is hupotasso. It's actually uh, a military term. It's a matter of honoring those that are given authority over you. It, It doesn't have to do so much with obedience Often it's translated or people think that uh, let everyone be subject to it means you, it's about obedience. It really is less about that than it is about honor and primarily about relationship. Anyway, we'll be um, 
talking about that more as we go on. I want to give you an example of the word submit. I'm going to give you a few. Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans 8, chapter 8, verses uh, 6 to 8. And here he's talking about our relationship with God. The mind governed by the flesh is death. So the, he's talking about human desires as opposed to the desires of the Holy Spirit. But the mind that is governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So, so much happens in our minds. The mind that is governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not hupotasso to God's law. In other words, honor or seek to fulfill the relationship that we have with God when it comes to his laws. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So here he's saying that try as you will to do what is right. You'll never make it if you're depending solely on yourself. But it's when you yield to God and honor him and you say, Lord, I'm struggling with this area or that area, not just trying to do everything on your own, that then you are being influenced by the Holy Spirit and uh, you are able to please God and enter into a relationship that is fulfilling and wonderful. So this is not about being perfect. It's about being positioned in a place where you choose to honor God, to seek his will, and to obey him. Now, in, that's just one example. When you come into the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, we find that uh, the Bible also uses this word that we sometimes tra translate submission or to be subject to. It's in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 32. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. That means that Every person who prophesies, and that's what he's talking about here, they don't do it out of control. If they do, they're out of order. For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in the congregations of the Lord's people. So he's saying when it comes to the Spirit of God and the work of the Holy Spirit through the uh, manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, then it's, that's not a free-for-all or something that's just out of control. No, it's subject to the prophets. And that can mean several things that I won't really expand on here. Just enough to say, this whole thing about order and disorder, arrangement, that which is set in proper order, which is really the meaning of Hupatasso, is what is important when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our function as a church in relation to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in verse 39 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. I should just mention in there that right in, just before that he said, I don't allow a woman to speak in church. And... Uh, that's caused a lot of people to just, well, what's that, that mean? Are women, women supposed to be silent? And people have, have uh, interpreted that in so many ways. And really, that was stated in context 
of the relationship that the woman has with her husband if she's married. And if she's not married, the relationship she has to authorities in the church. And so if she's not in living in a proper ordered relationship with her husband uh, or um, with church members or, for that matter, with civil authority, then they should be quiet. And actually, the same applies for men. And so it says, my brothers and sisters be eager to prophesy. So obviously, he's not just saying the brothers prophesy. He's saying sisters prophesy as well. And do not forbid to speak in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and hupotasso way, orderly way. So in all aspects of life, when it comes to our salvation and asking God to help us with the struggles that can easily beset us uh, when it comes to sin and temptation and the cares of this world, there are so many things that we so desperately need the help of God with. And, and he says that if you try to do it all on your own, you're just going to frustrate yourself. You're just, uh, you need God, and God is present, and he's here. And even this morning, he's here to help you with your relationship with him. You might not have it all figured out, or there might be times you've fallen and you've asked God for help, but then you find yourself falling again and you can sort of start to give up. Well, dependence is a process. Submitting to God in such a way in which we grow in the spirit is a process. And so don't don't give up. He's here for you. He's here to help you. His spirit is here to help you. And he works within the church. So he's here in the church through brothers and sisters who will prophesy, who will care, and who will love and fulfill all the functions of the spiritual gifts, which is much more than just speaking in tongues and prophesying. Uh, It's caring and loving and all of the other aspects of interpersonal relationships within the body of Christ. And so you're not in this thing alone. God's Spirit is present with you personally. He's present with you through your fellow believers in the church. And he's here to help you. Now here's an interesting um, scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 15 to 17. Um, You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. Uh, There's a word missing. Oh, yeah, we get to it in a minute. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors of it. So here's that word, hupotasso. I urge you to submit to the authorities it started off with in this chapter. And now it's talking about submitting to fellow believers in the church. I was glad when Stephanus and Fortuantus and Achaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. 
So here he's saying that when it comes to the body of Christ, there's a process of submitting to one another. There's a process that we, where we need to recognize those who devote themselves in labors of love to serving others. And so here's where we're all called to function. This is not something that means everybody should stand up and preach or, or do some great famous thing that everybody notices. These are the principles of life and fellowship and hospitality and caring and loving. And he says, you need to submit to such people. Not just enjoy the good things they do for you, but to establish a relationship with them that's based on honor. And so in the body of Christ, I'm not, I can't be a dictator. I would just be so, it's wrong for me to say to you as your pastor, I don't think you should move here or you should do that. Or I believe that you're working too hard or whatever. It, now, if you come to me and say, pastor, I just need some counsel or some advice. Yes, but it's not my place to tell you what to do because then that's dictatorialness. It's more of a hierarchical kind of an arrangement instead of a submission relationship. It's when people submit to one another, whether it be me as the pastor or others in the church, that then this whole function of accountability really works, where the best processes of integrity really happen when it comes to the Christian faith and Christian living. And for sure, when it comes to Christian witness, how we interact and how we work with each other and how we understand this important matter of submission. Let me meddle with you for a while. Will you let me do that? What about Sunday morning? A choice between sports and the house of God. Who are you going to submit to? Well, there's an important principle there about submitting to what is most important. Anyway, I'm done meddling in case I get in trouble. But it's true, right? There's a function. And we talked about the first day of the week when we were doing that series on the Sabbath and how vitally important that was to the early church and how important it's been through the, um, through the years. Things are really quiet right now. Uh, I better move to the next scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. But you know, the fact of the matter is, folks, that there has been a shift in understanding and practice when it comes to our connectedness with the body of Christ and those primary times of meeting, such as on the Lord's Day morning. And the Lord's Day morning in the early church's primary, primary purpose was the Lord's table. Remembering his death and his resurrection. And then, of course, the public proclamation of, of the teaching of God's word and prayer, fellowship. All of these were key aspects. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Oh. There must be a typo here or something. The, the scribe made an error, married an error. Our, our heart doesn't have eyes. Our head does. 
Well, the eyes in our head uh, feed information to our mind. But there is another source of seeing, is what the, the Bible is saying, and that is the eyes of your heart. And when your heart sees the principles of God, then your mind is able to be adjusted by what your heart sees. So I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. I pray that you will understand the power and that God has given you. And, and when you go back to that, uh, that text in, in Romans, it says, he, he talks about, I want you to be subject to the powers. And so we see that, well, he says that you ha he has given you a, a, a glorious inheritance and the power, uh, and power is, the, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, or authorities, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. So we evoke powers. Whether If you're talking natural just, justice, we invoke the, the laws of the land and say, this, you, you can't do this to me or you can't do this to somebody else. And so we invoke powers. Throughout our world today, when it comes to spirituality, there's every kind of power that's being invoked. And so many of them are false gods. And they, they appear in so many different ways. New Age and uh, horoscopes and all of those things. We're invoking powers that are not submitted to God. They are not created by God. And they are counterfeit. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. And so when it comes to all of the authorities that there are, and which ones are important to submit to, and how we submit them to, submit to them relationally in the world in which we live and in the world in which, which is to come, God says the most important person to submit to is Jesus. And the reason? Well, yes, he died. Yes, he rose again. Yes, he gave his life for us. Yes, the Holy Spirit was given by the Father because of his sacrifice. Those are all, that's all true, and it's wonderful, and it's the mighty power of God. But God has given him an authority that is above every other power. And so our hupatasso or our submission relationship to him is primary. It's the most important. Every aspect of life flows out of that. And, and so that we can live in a world not 
confused by all of the different aspects of what's going on, uh, the troubles that people are experiencing, the fear that can grip the hearts of people. What happens if the coronavirus actually becomes a prolonged worldwide epidemic where we see many, many, many more people infected? What happens? Uh, What does the believer say? What does the believer think? Do we become overcome with fear? Or do we recognize that there is no power that is not subject to him? No power, no disease, no devil, no imp of hell, no person who would try to abuse you in some way or to in some way dehumanize you. No, no man who ever abuses a woman, his wife, or his partner, or children, or no bully in a playground. No authority that is wrong, or exercise of authority that is wrong, is greater than the power of Jesus, because he transcends it all, and there will be judgment that comes to this world. And the Bible says, so when it comes to the bottom line... Keep your faith in Jesus because he's above it all. And no matter what takes place in this world, the Bible talks about the end times. We're going to see all kinds of uh, judgments that start to be outpoured, unfurled in this world. We're seeing it in so many aspects of life. We're seeing it with all the fear there is about climate change and all the evidence that there is to support it. What's going to happen? Well, what does the Christian say? Well, the Bible tells us that in the last days there will be perilous times. It actually tells us that the elements will melt with a fervent heat. How is that going to take place? Is that about climate change? Is it about some kind of a asteroid hitting the earth? Is it going to be because of nuclear war? Well, I don't know. I just know that he, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the one to whom I need to have a primary hupotasso submission relationship with is Jesus. It's him. And then I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear. No matter what befalls me or this world around me, I, I don't have to fear. A plant closes. And then he loses his job, and so do so many others. There was a person who works at, at uh, or worked there that was here volunteering this afternoon, or yesterday afternoon, to paint walls. And he'd never come here before, but uh, he was brought by a friend. And, uh, and uh, he was painting, and we chatted about that, and what's he going to do? And, and so God will provide... He provides. Denny's been provided a very good job in Edmonton. And, and so there are things that, we, that people um, go through in the day-by-day trials of life. Um, it happens. And so our focus and our faith is on, on Jesus because his incomparable great power for us who believe is released through his love, through his spirit, through his body, the church. (laughs) 
And so let this mind be in you. So the, the eyes, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be opened because you're not going to figure it out by some intellectual analysis that I or anybody else gives. It's going to come by a heart understanding that Jesus is alive, that he's risen, he's king of kings and lord of lords, and we can trust him explicitly in everything. Well, one more text. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21, and uh, going right down to verse um, 26. 25. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is in the context of family relationships, uh, particularly husband and wife relationships. He's not referring to children in this text. So what is what does it mean to submit again? Submit to the authorities? Uh, how do you submit to one another? Uh, are both in authority? Husband and wife? Yes. Submit to one another. So you could easily say, husbands, submit to your wives. And you would not be taking this text out of context. And, of course, wives, submit to your husbands. And it actually says that specifically. So what is submission? Is it about obedience? What I say goes because I'm the husband? Am I a dictator? Am I a boss over Marlene because she's my wife? No, it's in the context of honor. So whenever it comes to her role to submit to me and my role to submit to her, it's about honoring one another. So it's about uh, what, what meets her needs. What are the things that I as her husband, can contribute to the fulfillment of her needs and the fulfillment of her destiny, the fulfillment of her calling. So if I in any way impede that, I am doing opposite to what this whole text about submission is about. And it, so it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So there is a, a parallel here for a wife, and that is her submission to Jesus should track with her submission to her husband. And how does Jesus treat her? Is he bossy? Is he angry? Does he hit her? Does he say abusive things, abusive things to her? Husbands, so wives, you submit to your husbands as you submit to Jesus because he always treats you well. And husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. That's at the end of the text. So husbands, what are your responsibility in your role in the headship relationship that exists where God has charged you with some primary responsibilities in the context of being the husband to a wife. And 
My responsibility to, Mar- to Marlene is to act towards her like Jesus acts towards me. And that's all about honor. It's about how he has given us power beyond our imaginations through his death, his resurrection, ascension, and the descent of his spirit. He has given me, he has shared his power that transcends all powers with me and with you. So how do we exercise that in some kind of a totalitarian relationship or in a love relationship where we beat somebody over the head until they submit to our will or we call them and draw them in areas where they need to be called from and called to? So maybe a wife has a gift, but she has no self-confidence. Maybe she has the ability to do something that could be so beneficial to so many people, but she's she's withdrawn. She's always been told that she wasn't really any good, that she never really measured up, that she was always falling short. And then her husband sees in her something she doesn't see in herself. And so he lends to her the encouragement, the drawing to a a purpose similar to how the Holy Spirit Spirit draws us to the purposes of Christ. And so eventually, as he pours words of affirmation and confirmation into her life, step by step, with her husband by her side, she's able to enter into a destiny and a fulfillment of something in her life that she never thought possible. And then if she goofs up and she says to herself, they laughed at me. I did a terrible job. He's there to put his arm around her and say, it's okay, dear. I'm with you. I'm alongside you. Don't let that defeat discourage you and rob from you that which God has given you. And similarly... A husband can feel for so many different reasons that he just doesn't measure up in some way as a man. And his wife can so encourage her. Him. That was a faux pas. That that might have fit in some places. (laughs) Anyway, uh, where was I? Uh, a wife can encourage her husband because that's what it is all about. That's why we come together. We prophesy in the church so that we can edify, that we can comfort, and we can exhort one another. And it's a, it's a role that everyone is in, can be engaged in. And the purpose is not to create some disorder, but to create a hupatasso, a proper order a function in the church, but also in an individual's life. So maybe you don't have a husband, you don't have a wife, and you feel inhibited or in some way you're single or you're, you're widowed or uh, divorced or uh, you're a widower. And so you feel somehow 
uh, uncertain. There's just not the people around you that that are there to encourage you like the scripture talks about in a husband-wife relationship. Well, the scripture also talks about submitting to one another in the body of Christ, like that text that we read of uh, in, in chapter 16 about submitting to people like he mentions there, the three men in particular. Because when you submit and honor them, they're able to pour into your life things that are beneficial to you, things that make a world of difference, things that are able to elevate you above the confines of your mind and heart and lift you to places you never thought you could be. My wife's, wife isn't feeling well this morning, and, and, and I, I just said, honey, maybe you should stay home for church. Why? Not because I don't want her here, but because as I, as her husband, I want what's best for her. I didn't dictate to her, honey, stay home from church, but I said, maybe you should. So in other words, I opened the door so that in case she thought I had an expectation of her being here, no matter how she felt, she could feel comfortable in making the decision to stay home. So we made it together. We, affir we affirmed each other together. And that's how it works. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. We all have them. In marriage relationships, in familial family relationships where there's children involved, there's burdens. There's heartache when a child doesn't serve the Lord and grows up and follows a different path. There's heartache and sorrow whenever there's um, death or loss. My aunt died last week and in a snowstorm in 35 years. That funeral home had not had to cancel, uh, had to postpone a funeral because of weather. But, this, but it was stormy. And even the day, a week ago yesterday, where the funeral took place, uh, when it was still stormy, and of all things, while traveling to the graveside, the Hearst was in an accident. So my cousin, telling me this, said, the one person in that accident that wouldn't have felt anything was mom. <laughs> but it's like, it's sort of humorous, but it's just kind of like, uh, and so many of the family weren't able to be there. Nobody from my family was able to be there. Uh, she was a beloved aunt. She loved Jesus. And we, we, we experience these losses. And so it's good to be able to come to the church. I sent out a text to a few people and said, will you pray for my family? Uh, because they're going through this. And after I, as I, just right after I sent that text, uh, I just had a little breakdown in my office and just cried. Because I didn't get to see my aunt before she passed. So we go through these things, but the body of Christ is so special. It's so wonderful because we can come and experience the comfort and the strengthening of one another, of pouring ourselves into the other person to help them and to bless them. Well, can somebody get Sonia for us? And worship team, you can come back.
Who are you submitted to? Who's the authority in your life? Is it, this, is it sin? Is it the power of the devil? Does he have a grip on your life in so, such a way you're held in such a bondage and addiction you can't seem to break through? Uh, it, it, what, what is it? Is it the rationalizations of philosophers and others who do not believe in that God even exists? Is it those who say, well, Jesus is not the only way to heaven. There's many ways. And so you, you become, you subject yourself, you hupotasso yourself to ideas and influences and powers that are not beneficial to you. And there's the wonderful grace of the gospel of Jesus that just allows us to be able to cast that kind of stuff aside and invoke the power of him who rules over all things, who's ascended under the appointment of the Father above all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and every other authority. You can make the shift today if you've never done it. And you could say, Jesus, I, I, I choose today to follow you. Maybe you're kind of a, you know, Ephraim, uh, um, you're like Ephraim, cake half turned, it says in the prophets. Like sort of half baked, not really one, not really the other. Jesus talked about being either cold or hot, you're lukewarm, you're, you're neither cold, you're neither hot, and you feel that way, you're ambivalent, you're not sure. Well, you can just not abandon reason, not abandon your intellect or your feelings, but you can open your heart and say, God, I believe. I'm taking a step towards you. Even if you're a Christian, a step that maybe you haven't taken before. And today, you can do that, right here and right now. So just before we sing and before we pray for Denny and Sonia, could we just have the privacy of a few seconds together? Are you here this morning and you've heard the Bible texts that I've preached from and you've heard this... Um, message, and you'd say, Bruce, I, I, I've heard what you've said, and I want to make changes in my life. I want to move toward a greater relationship with Jesus, a greater relationship of really submitting myself to him and to his purposes and callings in my life. Now, that's an all-encompassing thing. It could be that you've never started that journey before, or you've been serving him for a while, but you're just really not where... You just feel God is calling you to something greater. Would you lift your hand and just hold it up in the privacy of this moment? Okay. Yes, so many. Okay, wow. Okay. Lord, we pray this morning for every person that has lifted their hand. And I pray that you would minister to them so beautifully by your Spirit and cause them to know that 
you do care and you do love them and they're not just uh, thrown in some rowboat and thrown out to sea just to toss on the, the waves of the sea and the wind where it blows without any control. It's not like that. You're here and you embrace us and you call us to yourselves in spite of the storms and the trials and the things we've been through. In spite of the things that others have said to us that would put us down or even things we've said to ourselves. When it comes to knowing Jesus and knowing salvation and forgiveness of sins, Lord, whatever anyone here needs to hear by your grace and by your spirit this morning, we submit it to you. And Lord, I just pray that by your sovereign spirit, you will minister to them in Jesus' name.